Are you struggling with debt and feeling depressed and anxious, wondering how you can get support? Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Apprizen, an organization that helps consumers with their finances and credit. Find out why debt causes so much shame and guilt, how to use credit in a smart way, and what your options are. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Welcome to the Mental Health and Wealth Show podcast. This is your host, Melanie Lockhart. My journey with money and mental health started in 2012 when I was depressed and anxious about my student loan debt. In 2013, I started my blog, Dear Debt, which chronicled my debt payoff journey and changed my life. I later published my book of the same name about how I paid off $81,000 in student loan debt. It was my time blogging that showed me that I wasn't alone in my mental health struggles around money and that my own mental health impacted how I related to money. My mission now is to help others feel less alone and tackle these difficult topics. As a disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional or a financial professional, and all content on the show should not be considered professional medical or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. If you are in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much for being here, and if you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform, and feel free to share episodes on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockert. I would love to hear from you. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today's episode is all about paying off debt and getting help and is presented in partnership with Apprizen. Apprizen is an accredited nonprofit credit counseling agency focused on helping people improve their financial health. Since 1955, Apprizen has helped over 1 million individuals manage their finances and debt. Their signature program, the Debt Management Program, helps people pay down debt with lower interest rates and potentially minimum payments. Apprizen prides itself in finding solutions to their clients' unique financial concerns and an atmosphere of trust, creativity, and non-judgment. Love it! If you would like to learn more about their history and client reviews, check out their website, apprizen.com, or the bbb.org where they have an A-plus rating. From Apprizen, I'm interviewing Tasha Bishop, who is responsible for creating and enhancing national partnerships, building and sustaining internal programs, and increasing financial health awareness through outreach, social media, and traditional marketing. She is the Director of Digital Innovation and holds an MA in Economic Development and International Commerce from the University of Kentucky and has a BA in Economics from the University of Louisville. She lives in Louisville, Kentucky with her husband and two cats. I have two cats as well, Miles and Thelonious. Love it. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Melanie. We've actually just added the third cat, so I need to update my bio. <laughs> I know. Maybe oh, exciting. <laughs> How's that uh, integration been, adding a third cat? You know, it's never quite easy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we have found a bit of a balance. My other cats are much older, so they're um, intrigued. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I, I adopted my cats together as brothers from the same litter, which oh. I think was such a smart move. And yeah, I can imagine how difficult that is to add another pet. But our fur babies do so much for our mental health and can also have <laughs> implications on our money, as we know, um, which, you know, at the Mental Health and Wealth Show, we're all about talking about these two taboo topics. So, but as we noted in the intro, today we are talking about my favorite topic, debt. 
Um, as some people may or may not realize, I started my whole kind of finance career with my blog, Dear Debt, in 2013 when I was committed to paying off my own $81,000 in student loan debt. And the whole reason I got interested in this topic is because I was so severely depressed about my student loan debt, feeling like I couldn't get ahead, feeling like I had a master's degree and then was making minimum wage. This was right after the Great Recession. You know, so many things had happened. And through starting my blog and then starting this podcast, one thing that has been so clear to me over the past nine years is that there is such a stigma around debt, yet it's so common. I feel like debt is almost like America's national pastime, mm -hmm. basically. And I'm curious, you guys work with clients who are in debt, and I would love to hear from you. You know, What are some of the feelings your clients experience when they first come to see you? I think, you know, the feelings that you had, you are certainly not alone, right? We generally are seeing folks who are feeling a lot of shame, guilt, embarrassment. Those are three words that come up a lot in those initial conversations. I think, and you know this, and you talk about this a lot, money is so connected to our emotions and we often fail to realize that. So a lot of people may be feeling these things, but they're not connecting them to, um, oh, it's my debt that's making me feel this way, or you know, my, my budget stress that's making me feel this way. So we see a lot of um, folks who come in, they're feeling those feelings, and they don't realize that just by connecting with someone and starting to talk about their finances, that it's going to relieve some of that. So luckily, once they have that initial conversation with us, we see a lot of people who are starting to feel more hopeful or like there's an end in sight, a light at the end of the tunnel. And so that's the transition that we want, want to be able to help provide there. You brought up so many important words that I see a lot too. You know, I feel like so many people feel so much shame, guilt, embarrassment, fear. There's this kind of financial insecurity, this feeling that I should have known better mm -hmm. or that I should have done differently. There's a lot of kind of self-loathing involved. And I think you brought up an important point about how addressing the debt can really help some of the mental health problems that are arising from this financial stress. And I just want to caveat, as someone who has experienced both clinical depression and anxiety, as well as situational depression and anxiety, I remember very clearly when I was paying off debt, having had clinical episodes where I was like, okay, I'm depressed and anxious, but this is something that is, is greater than me that needs to be solved with medication and therapy. Whereas when I was particularly stressed about my student loan debt, I went to therapy and it didn't help as much. And, you know, I was on and off medication. It didn't help as much. And so for that particular instance, I realized it is the debt that is stressing me out and I need to change the situation to change the outcome. And that's when I started my blog because I realized that it was this one thing that was really affecting my mental health. And the whole concept of Dear Debt is to write breakup letters, kind of like mm -hmm. Dear John letters to debt and to really address those emotions that no one was talking about. Because, you know, as much as I love all of the financial blogs out there, I was like, no one's talking about the emotions related to debt that I'm feeling. And then once I was open about my own experiences, 
So many other people were emailing me, commenting on blog posts saying, I feel the same way. And it is amazing how many people will come out of the woodwork when you're honest about your own experience. And and I realized, oh my gosh, this is such a taboo topic because I thought I was alone experiencing this. But then once I'm honest, then everyone is messaging me privately, emailing me, commenting on my blog posts, saying that they feel the same way. And so I'm curious, why do you think there is so much shame for being in debt? And, you know, obviously that can have an impact on mental health. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say how grateful um, I am, and I'm sure your larger community is for you sharing your story and being so open and vulnerable. That's something that we also like to point out is that the more that you open up and the more you share these, the less that shame and that guilt is going to impact you, whether it's emotionally, mental health, or physical. So um, just thank you for being so open and starting these conversations. I think that, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that the um, couple of things, um, reasons why I think shame comes up so much when we talk about money, I think there's a notion societally that either how much money we make or how we manage money is an indicator of our self-worth or our success in life, which is interesting because we never, most of us are not exposed to financial education throughout our life, Right. I think there are only like five to eight states now that require any kind of financial education growing up in high school and public schools. So we're learning that mainly through our personal relationships or our own experiences. And we're seeing most of the messaging around it from media, from, you know, from people who are um, Gratefully, like you were talking about it now, but in the past we weren't, there was a bigger stigma. I think we're starting to break that down, but there was a stigma about even talking about money, right? Like you don't talk about politics, religion, or money. (laughs) And so that stigma combined with this notion that we have that our money is an identifier of self-worth, I think can really spiral into that shame. Um, Something else I want to point out is there also is an intentional use of debt shaming by some debt collectors, some in the national media. And so you think about some tactics that have been used in the past, maybe where it's, I remember talking to someone who had um, an HOA and the HOA would publish anybody who was behind on their payments on a monthly basis in their neighborhood newsletter, right? So that public shaming was a tool to help them try to get paid. So Not only do we have these large societal notions, but we also have built-in systems that use that as a tool. And what's so dangerous about that, I always come back to this, you know, of course, I'm going to bring up Brene Brown, (laughs) but I always come back to this quote of hers where she said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but um, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we're capable of changing. And so it's so dangerous because the more shame we feel, the more ingrained that shame becomes in us, the longer that stays with us, we start to lose that hope or we start to lose that, um, that self confidence that we can change the circumstances. And so it can be really, really dangerous for us to, to continue to feel those feelings. And so I really appreciate when we can have conversations, when we can have open spaces where people can feel like they can be vulnerable. They can share without any sense of judgment 
or um, without even someone trying to help all the time, but just someone who can listen, right? Where we can share our experiences, I think um, is why that can be so powerful. Exactly. I, you know, that's what I try to do with the Mental Health and Wealth Hangout, which we host every other Thursday. We try to create a non-judgmental safe space to talk about these very emotions around money and mental health. And if you're listening and would like to attend, please DM me at Melanie Lockhart and find out when we're doing it next. Um, but, you know, shame can be so toxic and I was horrified listening to your examples of people that use this mm-hmm. in their business yeah. or as public and personal shaming, but I'm, I'm not surprised. And I think that is horrifying. And then obviously there's this shame around money and income. And I remember 10 years ago when I was making a low income, you know, after getting my master's degree from NYU, like I followed the script of what I thought would work, right? Mm -hmm. I went to a fancy private school. I got into all this debt. I worked hard and I thought that would automatically lead me to a good job. And mind you, at this point, I was thinking a good job was like $50,000, (laughs) Like my highest income before that in nonprofits was $38,000. So I was like, maybe I can get 50 or (laughs) $60,000. And I was making 10 to $12 an hour and not able to pay off my debt as much as I would like. And I remember feeling so low because there is this correlation with income and self-worth or debt and self-worth. And it took so much money mindset work on my behalf to start to make changes. And one of the first money mindset shifts I had to, you know, make is that my self-worth is not my net worth. Because for so long, I equated my self-worth with my net worth. And I thought, I'm, you know, 80K in the negative. I'm not worth anything. And people don't want me because I can't find a full-time job. And I, you know, I'm struggling. And that is not the case. Like, whether you're working or not, whether you're earning a good income or not, you are a human being. And by that, you know, Mm -hmm. you are worthy of existing. And money is an exchange, a tool But it does not have to mean anything about you. But in a capitalist society, obviously, we use that as a benchmark. And it can be very toxic to ascribe our self-worth to that very thing. And we see that with people that are unemployed or underemployed, these feelings of desperation and, and shame and embarrassment. And then you mentioned the word hope, which... You know, hope is so important in the debt repayment journey and also just making any big change in life. And when people lose their hope, that's when it almost feels like you're dead inside. And we want to keep that hope flicker alive so that we can get people to move forward. And I know in my own debt repayment journey, it took so much mental work before I was able to actually tackle the financial part of it because I had to get rid of former beliefs about debt. Like I used to think all debt is good debt. And then I thought maybe that's not the most helpful mindset for me if I really want to pay off this debt. And, you know, I used to think rich people are greedy. And then I was like, well, am I ever going to really want to make money or can make money if that's something that I believe. And so we have to question where these beliefs come from. And usually they come from family, from childhood, from friends, from our culture around us. And, you know, if a thought is serving you, great. If it's not, 
then question where is this coming from and can I change my thought around this? And I think with debt repayment, it's as much, if not more, a mental shift and then everything else can shift around you. But it's so important to listen to kind of what we're dealing with in our in our minds that could be preventing us from making progress and then also just realizing that your self-worth is not your debt worth and one of the quotes that I've been um, using for the past nine years that people ascribe to me which you know I love is you are not alone you are not alone Mm -hmm. and I think that's really important because you know we kind of think that my debt is me and your debt is something separate than you. It doesn't have any effect on your self-worth and whether you're a good person or a bad person, how successful or not successful you are. It's just a thing, right? And so for people who are struggling with debt and they realize that it's affecting their mental health and financial health and want to get help, at what point should someone get help with their debt and what are their options? Yeah. So um, I'll say there are some kind of financial and emotional warning signs or clues that you can pick up on Um, financial piece. So if we're talking, you know, not how we're feeling, but pen and paper, one difficulty paying bills on time, right? So when you start to feel that crunch, whether it's every couple of weeks or at the beginning of the month, then that can be one of your first indicators that things are getting tight, might be time to reassess, to kind of dive in and engage with your financial world. Then we can get to the next level where it's only making the minimum payment slash seeing that minimum payment on your debt grow, right? Because often what will happen is as your balances get higher, you're going to see that minimum payment getting higher and higher alongside it. It's going to be harder to make that payment for you. So if you're starting to see those, those minimum payments rise, and then you're only able to make that minimum payment, that can be a sign of stress. And then the level after that, we're looking at, you're starting to get collection calls. You're starting to hear from your creditors more often. Um, Mail that's coming in gets a little heavier. So um, those contacts from your creditors are starting to, to grow and they may start to get a little more aggressive. But then when we think about the other side, um, the emotional pieces, what things are happening to you internally, that can be that buildup of stress, which can mean maybe you're losing sleep about it, right? That's what we hear from a lot of folks is I knew I was in trouble when I started laying in bed at night and the thoughts that were running through my head were all about how am I going to make these payments? You know, how am I going to cope with this debt? Um, Starting to feel more of those feelings of guilt that you talked about starting to equate that to your self-worth when you're starting to to beat yourself up about it that's a good indicator that it's time to reach out for help and then that general stress and anxiety when you're starting to feel that i love how you gave us that example of it being situational so even if you're dealing with you know stress depression anxiety um, that's clinical is there something that's pushing you to the next level or that's situational about this type of stress So I think those can be some good emotional clues. And then, you know, what, what do we do about it? That's the bigger question. Um, You know, first, I think it's important to do that emotional work that we just talked about. So checking in with yourself, because all of us have different um, 
different points at which we're going to feel stressed, right? Some people can handle a lot more stress than others. And that's also not attached to your self-worth. That's just who we are. We're all different. So you want to be able to assess where you're at on your scale and then check in with, with why you're feeling that way. I think an important part of the debt journey is really, you know, hitting some of that financial, your financial past. What are the lessons that shaped you? What are the experiences that shaped you? What are you carrying from that? Whether it be positive or negative. So checking in there, doing a little bit of that um, kind of, you know, past financial life uh, work, and then moving to uh, what are kind of actionable steps that I can take. There are a lot of different methods out there for paying debt, right? Oftentimes folks can handle it. Um, you can you can do this on your own, right? So there's several different popular methods. We can talk about the snowball or the avalanche, which is all starts with making a list of all of your debts, all of the balances, all of the interest rates. So getting that out there where you can see it clearly in one space, right? So often a lot of our stress and anxiety can come from not knowing exactly, right? We may know on a general sense, like, oh, I know I have that American Express card and I know I have that Capital One card and I kind of know the due dates or around the type of month that they're due. But until we really get it all in one place, it's hard to really assess the situation holistically. So I think that's a good first step is just making that list, understanding what the situation looks like for you, and then determining, is it something I can do for myself? What methods can work for me? Or is it something where you need to reach out to understand, better understand your options, get a third party perspective, right? Because for some of us, different levels of debt uh, mean different things, right? So one person could be $3,000 in debt, and that's causing a lot of stress and anxiety on their financial life. For someone else, that could be a comfortable place to be, but if they're at $10,000 in debt, then that can be, that can start to cause those, those feelings of stress. So having someone, a third party, like a nonprofit credit counseling agency to look at that and help you understand where that falls and, and then what next steps you can take can be really valuable. And it can help you get rid of some of those feelings, right? I think shame also resides in secrecy. It grows there. So the more that you're keeping things to yourself, not talking about it, not opening letters, that secrecy can breed the shame. So just having um, a sounding board can often be really valuable for folks. And then you can look at, at other options for paying down debt, right? We talked about our debt management plan. Other options that are out there can be debt consolidation, debt settlement, or, you know, at the end of that line of bankruptcy. So a lot of different options on that spectrum. Thanks so much for sharing. I just you know want to reiterate that there are options out there because over the past nine years, I have received emails from people who are suicidal because of their debt. And I've tried to get people assistance with the crisis text line, the national suicide prevention line, mm -hmm. also, you know, connected with credit counseling agencies that can help because your life is not worth it. And debt is not a death sentence and it's never worth it. And so I just want to reiterate that here because it's wild. The amount of emails I get from people who are truly hurting and, 
it's awful. And I always say, don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Like it is possible to get out of this. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not, but it's possible. And I think so many of us want to kind of just stick our head in the sand and just pretend that it doesn't exist. You know, that's something that I mentioned in my book, Dear Debt. I liken paying off debt with the five stages of grief. And I know denial is that first one. I was in denial when I uh, deleted my mint.com account because I didn't like what it said about how much debt and how much income I made. That was a form of denial because I was like, I'm going to pretend I did not see that number. And, you know, obviously the truth caught up with me eventually. And taking that first step to face those hard things and to do the work is so important. And I love all the resources that you mentioned. And so I wanted to go a little bit further into that. So Apprizen is a nonprofit that offers financial education and credit counseling and helps consumers pay off debt. What is the difference between a nonprofit debt management plan and a for-profit debt settlement? That is that is a great question. Thank you for asking it because I think there's a lot of confusion in this space and and beyond just the difference between those two, but in general, um, all of these different financial options, which if you're dealing with debt and you're overwhelmed by that already, it can be really hard to sift through all of the information to understand the differences, right? So we can talk about it first at a high level and then we'll kind of we'll kind of drill down. High level, right? So first you mentioned Apprizen is a nonprofit and there are lots of nonprofit credit counseling agencies out there. So that means that we don't work for just for the money, right? For the money coming into the agency. We are mission-based. So our mission is helping people improve their financial wellness. And that is why we do what we do every day versus some of the for-profit companies, right? They are there to to make money to either pay shareholders or pay their um, their employees. So um, no, I am not saying there's anything wrong with for-profit companies, right? Um, so that is an important part of the economy, but it does matter when you're thinking about what kind of debt repayment journey you want to take and who you want alongside you on that journey. Um, now, when we talk about the next level is the products are different, right? So the solution is different. A debt management plan, it brings all of your payments into one payment. We work with creditors to lower interest rates monthly payments, potentially, Um, they're going to bring accounts current so that you're not in default anymore. And then oftentimes they will um, erase some of those late fees if you're already, you know, past due on on some of those accounts. So we have a longstanding relationship. Like you said, we've been around since 1955 with the creditors. And so they understand that people are going through hardships and that is why they offer these programs. So we're able to take a look at all of the debt, put it into one payment, lower that interest rate, lower the monthly payment, and you're going to pay off your debt in full, but you're going to do it in like a um, three to five year period, if not shorter, right? Now on the other side of the aisle with debt settlement, this is a different type of solution. In general, the way that debt settlement works is that you would stop making your monthly payments to your debt the settlement company would put that money aside for you. And then once you, once essentially the creditors charge off your accounts, 
oftentimes they're willing to negotiate your balances down. So say you had a credit card that was $10,000, they may be willing to settle for $5,000. Um, but a lot of things happen in that period when you're not paying your debt, right? So those collection calls get heavier, which can cause a lot of stress and anxiety. Your credit is going to be affected. So, um, you know, not making the payments is going to impact your long-term credit there. And then also in that space, there's no guarantee that your creditors are going to accept a settlement. They have no obligation to accept a settlement on the debt. So you may take that path and then get to the point where they, they attempt to settle your debt and your creditor won't agree to it. And then you're back in the same situation, although now it's worse, right? Because now you have more late fees, et cetera, et cetera. So those are some of the kind of things that happen in that process. But essentially, once they do negotiate the debt, you'll pay whatever they've negotiated with those creditors um, to them. And then you will have to, any of that money, that that difference between your original balance and what you settle for, that all is going to count as income and you're going to pay that that back um, in, on your taxes, right? So you're going to be liable for that on your taxes. So just a few different caveats there. Now, one level uh, beneath that, which I think is very important, but <laughs> I don't want to put it in just like the technical part of the solution, but with a nonprofit like a prize, and you also get a community. So we have team members who are there with you throughout your debt journey. Um, so those three to five years while you're paying back the debt, and you have access to financial coaches. So whether it's debt related, or you're just thinking like, hey, I'm at year four, and I'm almost done. And now I really want to be able to take this, you know, money that I freed up, and, and I want to saving for a home. And we can help with that. So we're here to help you with the debt goals, but also to achieve your future financial goals. And so you have a community that's there for you, especially if things get hard, right? Because we all know the debt journey isn't just like, oh, I've decided to do it. And now everything is just smooth sailing, right? There are always going to be those moments where, where you struggle, where unexpected expenses come up and it's going to be hard to make a payment one month. So also there to help you navigate those those tough moments in the, in the debt journey. Whereas generally with debt settlement, you don't have that ongoing support to help you with the debt and with future financial goals. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to the mental health and wealth show. I wanted you to pause real quick and take a mindful minute, close your eyes and take a deep breath and exhale. Take a deep breath again and exhale. Taking a moment for yourself is so important for your mental health. Now, before we get back to the show, I just wanted to say, if you are enjoying this episode, please review the podcast and share it on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockhart and share your thoughts. It'll really help spread the word about the show and help others with their money and mental health. You can also support this independent podcast and buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lagert. That was such a great breakdown of the differences that illuminated some things for me as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing because I think it's so important for 
people to be aware of their options and, you know, the pros and cons of each and the differences. And, you know, kind of as you mentioned, when people are in a bad place, it's easy to feel kind of desperate in a way and just want to be, you know, told the answer and whatever looks the most attractive you're going to do, but then you might get yourself into a situation where it backfires or it's a scam. And that brings yeah. me to my next question. You know, there are some fishy and scammy debt relief sites mm-hmm. out there, unfortunately, and people that may not have your best interest in mind. You know, what are some debt relief scams to look out for? And what are the signs that help is actually legit? There are so many. It is, um, it's really sad. But what I'm seeing currently um, we're seeing lots of student loan scams right now, right? So lots of folks who are out there saying, hey, I can sign you up for this federal program, which may or may not exist. And you can also sign up for it on your own, right? So lots of student loan scams happening right now. Um, lots of scam artists in that debt settlement space as well. So if you are thinking debt settlement, then you want to make sure you're working with a reputable company. So do your research and make sure because what will happen with a lot of those is you'll make those payments to them and then they will never negotiate with your creditors and you're out all of that money. And so at Apprizen, we see a lot of people who have gone through that. They've gone through that scam and then they come to us and they're, and they're struggling even more than they were originally. So making sure that you're working with a reputable company wherever you are in your debt repayment space, right? Whether it's debt settlement or working with a bankruptcy attorney or working with a credit counseling agency, do your research, make sure that you're working with with a reputable company. As far as signs of scams, I think the main one is that they reach out to you first, right? So most of the time, um, the reputable players in the financial space are not reaching out to you, whether it be by email or um, phone for that initial contact. So that can be the first one. If you get contacted by someone, then do not give them any information up front hang up, do your research, call them back on the number that's on their website, right? So that can be a big indicator. Also, you want to look for, you know, really high fees or asking for payment immediately, especially in the debt settlement space. It is not legal to ask for payment before they do any of that work. So they can get paid once they've settled the debt for you, but you shouldn't be paying those fees up front. And then if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So I find that a lot of the folks um, in the scam games, they're making real big promises, right? Um, we can get rid of this debt quickly, very quickly, right? We all know that it's a long game. Paying back debt is never, never <laughs> happening quickly or as quickly as we want it to. So just be aware of those those big promises or things that seem unrealistic because they're generally not. Yeah, so important. And I'm glad that you shared that a lot of people kind of do fall into these scams and then end up coming to you guys anyways to mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of fix the damage of, of what happened. And I think that's really important. And, you know, I think consumers should do their research and also look at what companies are doing this as a mission-based, you know, organization, like you said, as a nonprofit. And, 
I refer a lot of people to the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, nfcc.org. Can you kind of explain a little bit about NFCC and also potentially your relationship with them as well? Yeah, definitely. So the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, they're the um, national organization for all of these different credit counseling agencies that exist across the United States. And what they do is help set standards, right? So making sure that everyone in the space is operating in a way that is um, most beneficial to consumers. We are also through the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, everyone through there gets accredited by COA, which is Council on Accreditation, um, who go through on a, a three to five year basis and you know they're listening to customer calls they're they're looking through all of our um, guidelines the way we operate and making sure that we're doing so ethically and um, again in innovative ways that are helpful to consumers so uh, making sure that we're fulfilling our mission and so it's really just an accountability factor there with that accreditation and then the national foundation for credit counseling you know they help educate consumers like we're doing right now, talking about the differences between different types of debt repayment, what to be careful for, and helping people understand how credit counseling works, why we exist, and how we can help individuals. So they do a lot of really great work and also good research um, because, you know, we need to know what's happening now. We also need to know what's next. You know, what are we going to be helping consumers with next? And so we always want to be prepared. So the NFCC does a great job of, of doing research and, and keeping us up to date on what changes are happening in the financial health space and how we can prepare to help people today and into the future. I think that's great that, you know, the NFCC kind of serves as almost a regulatory body of checking in on all these other organizations and nonprofits doing this type of work. So there is more accountability yes. and more community, as you say, whereas with for-profit debt settlement companies, yeah, they might just take your money and run. And, you know, I think there are so many scams that people are aware of and, and they're afraid of getting help and like what is legit and what is not. And I know before I was even aware, it just seemed like everything was a scam until yeah. I realized, oh, yeah. the NFCC is a nonprofit. It exists and helps others. It's been around for so long. It was an education for me, too. And I think a lot of people don't realize there is a difference yeah. and that, you know, uh, quite a big one. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think it's interesting, right, because in the financial space, I think most of us are starting from a place with like a, a lack of trust, right? Because of all the scams and things that happen, we come at it with a lack of trust. And I think that's valuable, right? Um, you should be asking those questions. You should be making sure that companies that you're working with are reputable, are accredited, are mission-based ideally. So it's really great to have the NFCC there um, as another trust building measure for us, right? That's why we're also members of the BBB because that's recognizable to people. You know, we all know what that scale looks like. And so we want to make sure that any kind of trust building measures we can take to show you and our, you know, consumers and clients that we take this seriously, um, really important for us. So any of those trust building measures I think are, are super important. And I think that's why it's so important to do your research, to look through those things, right? look through the reviews from previous clients and hear their stories because that's 
first and foremost, um, how you could judge an organization. Totally. Thanks so much for sharing. And, you know, you guys work as a nonprofit, so you work on a free and low cost basis. How do you work with consumers and what are the fees that people should be aware of? Yeah. So we are, are very lucky to be, you know, supported by a lot of great, you know, grantors, funders out there. And so we're able to offer a lot of our services for free. So anybody can come to us. We generally are working one-on-one with folks. So that's kind of our bread and butter is, you know, we have, a, we call them financial services specialists. They're financial counselors and coaches. They work one-on-one to help people address their unique financial situation. So um, they're going to sit down, take a look at the financial situation, income, expenses, debt, assets and liabilities, all that jazz, help you get a good picture of your financial situation. And so that first session is always free. We call that our comprehensive counseling session. So if you just need a check-in, right, you need some a, a third set of eyes or second or third set of eyes on it, then that can be really helpful. And through that, we often find like, hey, what are your next financial goals and how can we help you achieve them? So if it's paying down debt, the debt management program could be a good option for that program. Income is, or fees are based on income. So they can be from zero to $45 a month. And that really is to just help us um, stay alive and be able to do the work that we do, right? So that just covers, like I said, we have that community that that you get to work with throughout your debt journey. And so that helps us keep that community alive. We also are working um, out in the community doing financial education. So we work with lots of other nonprofits or employers or even government organizations sometimes to um, educate on all of these basic personal finance topics. So whether it's, you know, how do you build a good budget, understanding your credit report and scores, obviously managing credit and debt. <laughs> um, and then we have some fun ones like, you know, getting more at the grocery store. So saving money at the grocery store or preparing for the holiday spending cycle. So we go out and we, and we do financial education webinars and, and activities and events as well. Um, and those are generally all free because like I said, we're lucky to have, have funding available to do that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the big pieces of what we do. We have a ton of different sessions types that we can offer. So again, based on your financial goals, there are other opportunities. We can help people build credit, um, understand and build their credit, what we call our credit health education session. We have a financial health plan that's really more focused on saving and how to prepare for the future understanding debt to income. So, you know, things like when you're, when you're looking at those bold financial goals, um, that can be a good option. And then we have financial coaching, which is a really, it's a really awesome program. Sometimes we have grant funding available for folks to take advantage of it for free. If not, then it's $300 for the year. Um, when you think about working with a financial planner, that can be $250 an hour. <laughs> so the financial coaching um, is really affordable. You get to work with a coach for a year to work on whatever financial goals you might have. That includes some of that kind of emotional finance work, right? So what kind of past and history do you have with finances? How's that affecting you today? We do some of that work in the sessions. 
And then there's your accountability partner, your motivator throughout the rest of the year to help you achieve those goals. So that can be a really powerful program, build some strong relationships there. Wow. That is so affordable. And I didn't realize just how much you guys do. That's amazing. And I love to see it. And I think that's going to help so many people on this podcast and, you know, in your community. So thank you for everything that you guys do. So I I do have one question. You mentioned kind of credit and credit scores. So how can being in debt and paying off debt affect one's credit score? Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Okay. So, um, being in debt, um, that affects your credit in a couple of ways. So when we think about, there are really five factors that really influence your credit report. The first one is payment history. So debt can obviously impact that. If you're um, paying late on your debts, then that's going to take a hit on that biggest piece of your credit score. So that's one. And then two is, um, different people call it different things, amount of debt. Um, what it boils down to is your credit utilization ratio. So that compares the balances of all of your credit cards to your credit limits, right? So if you have a $10,000 credit card, your current balance is 5,000, then your credit utilization is 50%. We always want that number to be less than 30 and the closer it is to zero, the better. So as your balances grow, when you're in debt and your balances are growing, that credit utilization is getting higher. So that's the second biggest part of your credit and it's gonna impact that piece substantially. So when you're close to those limits or over the limit on the credit cards, then that can really tank your credit score through the credit utilization ratio. So those are a couple of the big ways that being in debt can um, affect your credit score. When we think about getting out of debt, there are also some interesting ways. The credit world is so complicated, Um, but there's some interesting ways that it can impact you. So again, if you are close to your credit limits or over and your payments have been late, then your score has already taken a big hit. But on the other side of that, um, getting into a debt management program or something like that you are going to get current. So that's going to be, that can be potentially a positive impact. What happens though, in a lot of cases you is you are going to close some credit cards, right? And that affects one of the other factors, which is the length of your credit history. So if they're older cards, then that can impact the length of the credit history. That is a smaller one, um, smaller piece of the puzzle, but closing cards can also impact that credit utilization ratio, because if you remember, it's the balances versus the credit limits. So if you're closing a card that has a high limit, then it could negatively impact that credit utilization ratio. That's something you just want to be thoughtful about when you're closing the cards is um, how has your credit utilization ratio already been affected? And is this going to, how is this closing a card going to change that dynamic there. Um, But generally repaying your debt is going to be a good influence on your credit because, you know, hopefully you're going to get back to paying on time. So that payment history is going to, which is the biggest piece is going to be positively impacted. If you're paying down your balances, then you're going to see that in the credit utilization ratio, positively impacting that piece as well. So 
generally that debt repayment is having positive impacts on credit. Did I go too deep there with the credit utilization? No, no, that was perfect. I think that is so important for people to understand. And I actually wanted to go a little bit further and say, um, for people just to be aware, your credit score is comprised of 35% payment history, 30% amounts owed, which is kind of the credit utilization piece, 10% new credit, 15% length of credit history, and 10% credit mix, i.e. the different types of loans you have, like student loans, which are installment loans, or revolving credit, like credit cards. And so if you just pay your debt on time and keep your credit utilization below 30%, that's 65% of your credit score. Uh, You know, so if you just do those two steps, you will improve your credit. Taking those steps can really benefit your finances and your credit score. And I do just want to say, you know, you mentioned kind of how tricky the credit score situation can be. When I paid off my student loans, I remember my credit score dropped for like 20 to 30 points. And I was shocked. And I was like, what? I just paid off my student loans and my credit score went down. And it's because, yeah, that length of credit history, the 15%, you know, I had been paying that student loan for a decade and now those accounts were closed. So it went down. So obviously that was annoying and frustrating, but (laughs) I was able to rebuild it shortly thereafter. So I don't want people to think like, yeah, you still you still want to pay off debt, even if it may lower your credit score a bit, and it will potentially turn around, you know, again, if you keep doing the right moves, like we said, of paying your other payments on time and keeping your balances low. Exactly. Yeah. Usually those negative impacts are very temporary. And while frustrating, <laughs> they generally it's, it's going to rebound quickly if you're on that yeah. debt repayment journey. Yeah, they can rebound rather quickly. And um, yeah, I think it is so important for people to to be aware of all of these things. And um, yeah, credit is, you know, a lot of people have a lot of confusion about it. There are so many myths about credit and, and credit scores. So I appreciate you kind of diving into that. And I also wanted to just have one more question that hopefully you can answer. So credit utilization is obviously a big part. That's 30% amounts owed. If someone is carrying a big balance on their credit card. Like for example, I pay off my credit card weekly because I find that to be better for my cash flow and budgeting. Would paying off your credit card weekly in full, mm-hmm. would that help you keep your credit score in good shape because it, your statement balance isn't like as high utilization? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So the timing of payments on your credit cards is also really important. And so, and I think you're hinting at that, right? So what I tell people is if you're looking, you know, to build credit and that's, that's your main goal. um, And we're not talking about, you know, budget shortfalls or anything like that, then you really want to pay that payment the day before your statement is due because you want it to show up as lower on your statement, because that's when it gets reported to the credit reporting agencies, your Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, right? And it only gets reported once a month. So especially if you're in a time crunch where, you know, you're looking to buy a home or a car soon, then those payments only get reported monthly. So only, you know, the statement balance comes out on the 20th, um, the credit reporting agency probably, or the lender probably sends that to the credit reporting agency on the 21st or 22nd. And it's not going to happen again until the next month. 
So paying off weekly, great. Paying off at least the day before the statement balance can be really valuable and help positively impact that credit utilization ratio. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I pay off my credit card weekly because I find it better for my budgeting to know how much I'm spending, mm. um, you know, make sure I have that money in my account. Because I think sometimes we pay our credit card once a month and then suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, I spent that much in the yeah. past 30 days. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and it's kind of hard to recalibrate you know, for the next month, but I find doing it weekly, it's like, okay, I spent a lot this week. Let me be better this next week. Or now that I only have this much in my checking account to pay this off, let me, you know, move differently this week. And so I think, you know, that helps me. And that's great to know that it can be useful for your credit score as well. And so I wanted to end the conversation and say, you know, if someone is needing financial help and wanted to work with a prize in, how would they get started? Yeah. Well, we try to make it really easy. There are a lot of different ways to connect with us, depending on what your preference is. We do have, um, we call her Iris. She's our kind of online um, portal to apprise and services. And so that's a really easy way to start. Um, you can go to our website, you can click anywhere and say, get started. And then you can put some of your information in and you'll get contacted by one of our financial services specialists usually within 30 minutes to an hour, but on the weekends, give us a little more time. And then we also have um, financial specialists who are available. We're generally open from about 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. That's Eastern time. And we have folks who are just on hand, ready to answer calls, answer questions. And so you can give us a call and talk to someone immediately. And then we also have a chat function. So if you're like me, I always like to, (laughs) I am definitely a millennial. I like to chat with folks. I don't like to pick up the phone and call. So we have a chat um, function on our website and you can ask general questions there, get connected to someone and then, you know, take your next step, whether that's schedule an appointment or maybe you got your question answered and you're good to go. Um, So we have a chat function there that's really easy to use to connect with us. Love that. Thank you so much. So if you guys want to go to the website, the website is apprisen.com, A-P-P-R-I-S-E-N.com. If you want to give them a call, you can give them a call at 1-800-355-2227. There's also the Iris Get Started Now tool on their website. And as she mentioned, there is a chat function. So there's so many different ways to get in touch and stay in touch. I so appreciate you sharing more about what you guys do and also giving this information to our audience. I so appreciate our conversation today. Likewise. Thank you for all the work that you are doing, for sharing your story and being so open and for giving us the space today to talk about some of the work we do. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much. And if you need help, definitely check out apprisen.com and take care of your mental health and wealth. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. 
If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.